Welcome to Ryan Rants and Raves, a podcast series by the Quebec government office in New York. Bienvenue à Ryan Rants and Raves, une série de podcasts par le gouvernement du Québec à New York. Today, I'm honored and elated to be with a legend of style and someone who has a great amount of knowledge within the fashion industry. Welcome, Nick Wooster. Nick, thank you again for taking the time to be with me. Hi, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I guess just to start, Nick, you know, can you just give a brief journey um, about your fashion journey and describe it? <laughs> well, I work, I work in fashion because it's purely for selfish reasons, because I've always <laughs> been interested in clothes and I'm in it for the clothes. I mean, my journey, and I won't go year by year, but my journey started <laughs> when I was 16 years old working, you know, a kid that at my high school had a cashmere sweater. And I said to my mom, hey, I want a cashmere sweater. And she said, I'm happy to buy you a sweater. It won't be cashmere. If you want it, if you want that, go work for it. So I figured I'd go to the source. And, you know, I asked this, the nicest store in town, if they needed help on, you know, after school and on the weekends. And they said, yes. <laughs> and that's really how I started. But I guess my my real career began when I became a buyer in 1987 at Barney's New York. Well, I think what's really interesting is I think you're much more intelligent than I was because when I was a child, and I won't even say it was necessarily intelligent of me, but my I wanted to buy Abercrombie and my mother would not purchase it for me. So then I got a job and purchased it. I think you're more intelligent than I was because you went straight to the source and that's pretty that's pretty good. So you get involved in that at a young age. I mean, I listen, I think it's exactly the same thing. You sort of identified a place or a way that you wanted to be or look, and that's what you did. And that's what I did. Like I went to the nicest store in town. And I, I think that that's probably the best single best entry point for anyone. And it's something I tell anyone who asks me, like, how do you work in fashion? I'm like, get a job working in a store. And yeah. of course, I understand today it's very different, you know, because there are other, you know, platforms for shopping, but that, and nobody wants to really hear that. They sort of want to hear about the photo shoots and yeah. runway shows and, you know, and travel. And that's great, but that didn't happen. You know, that doesn't just happen out of the box or yeah. it didn't, at least for me. And I think working at the retail level, you really understand the business, you know, you know, you have to have more items per transaction and the customer service and you understand, you know, what the client actually likes. I think that is experience that you can't replace just just by reading a book. True. I mean, to fast forward to 2004, I had a kind of like life change, which is not that interesting, but things were not going the way that I had sort of hoped they would go after having a 20, you know, some year career in New York, working in the fashion world. So I found myself in Los Angeles and I needed a job. I had gone for a job. I gotten fired from that job and I needed a job. So I ended up going back to Barney's New York in Beverly Hills and selling women's designer, you know, on the second floor. And the reason why I say that is I was, I did that for seven months and of course I hated it. <laughs> but what I, but what I actually, well, actually there were aspects of it that were fantastic. It was the first time in my adult career that I didn't take anything home. So it's like, once you punched in, <laughs> punched out, you were done. And that was amazing. But what I used to say was it was kind of like getting an MBA because you really do, you know, all the customer service parts, 
But because it was Barney's and because it was, you know, high end, I mean, all the sort of brands that I had worked with in the past, when you see it delivered, you learn a lot about the inside of a brand, like how it fits or how they ship or how they don't ship, or are they meticulous in how they package it or, you know, and it's all those things that you could never teach in a book, but you really when you're on the floor and you learn about, and then you learn about what customers respond to. And it's not always what I had thought it would be. And I think, I think that's very interesting. And also what you say ship or not ship, it's those small details that, that speak volumes, but I do want to change gears and just speak about style. I'm um, just because you are a symbol of style, but can you speak about importance and also how wellness ties into style? <laughs> well, okay. So to me, there are two different things, but they go together. So, you know, style and, you know, for me, taste were what I thought were the entry points to get to work in the fashion world. I just assumed that everybody who worked in fashion had great style and really good taste. And what I learned pretty early on was that that was not true. (laughs) And I was really surprised by that. I was like, really? And then later, as I sort of understood that, like, wait, people actually think I have, you know, an interesting point of view that actually shocked me just as much because I'm looking to everyone else to sort of get inspiration from. And by that, I mean, I'm just a vampire. I people watching is one of my favorite activities, hobbies, I guess. And it's because I'm I'm just curious. Like I like to see what people do or don't do, or what terrifying, horrific combinations they put together, <laughs> or what amazing things you know they do. And so that soup is what you know is interesting to me. But yeah, I was I was very surprised that not everyone in the fashion world has good taste or or good style. With that said, I do think it's a skill. And it wasn't until I worked at Barney's, as I said, in 1987, and a guy, Peter Rizzo, who was like the head of menswear, um, and he worked directly with Fred Pressman. um, He really taught me everything that I think I know in, in, in that how to sort of hone an aesthetic or how to, I think probably, and I would say many young people want to do everything or, you know, and, and that's a natural, or at least that was my kind of reaction and restraint is a really important aspect to life, to how we purchase things, what we do, how we present ourselves, what we say, (laughs) like we don't have to vomit everything out. (laughs) And I think that was probably one of the most important lessons that I learned, not you know, I mean, I, let's say I'd already, I mean, I've been dressing myself since I was in kindergarten, but it was kind of an interesting thing to learn. And I have to say, I kind of, I found that hard at the beginning, but I'm really grateful that I listened. I think that's a, that's a great story to share about the restraint, but I do want to ask, so where's your favorite place that people watch in New York city? Just out of curiosity. I enjoy people watching as well. It's my Saturday pastime sometimes. You know, I mean, there's, there's nothing like an outdoor cafe or restaurant to just that's, you know, right on the sidewalk. And, uh, you know, now that's kind of normal, but I think about Parisian cafes or, or restaurants on in the city, but sitting on a sidewalk outside in a, in a city is for me, the absolute best place to, to people watch because especially if it's, you know, London, Paris, 
Milan, Tokyo, Hong Kong. If, if it's the city, people are making an effort. If it's an airport, and I love airports, but it's a little bit like junk food. Like you don't really get the good stuff there because not everybody, let's say, tries when they <laughs> um, But occasionally you do see people who try or that look really nice. And that's always a welcome relief. But I think sidewalks in the city are my favorite place. I mean, inside stores, shopping malls, restaurants, of course, but definitely the street. When I was living in Williamsburg, I would often go to um, McCarran Park and just sit and watch. And and with um, my partner, we would guess what their career was or what they did based on how they looked um, and comment on their style. An odd habit, but that was our pastime most Saturdays. I um, love that. <laughs> it's a great way to get outdoors, get the sun, and you know, spark good conversation as well at the same time. Vitamin D, exactly. <laughs> which is needed. Which exactly, which ties into the wellness question. I mean, you know, I, again, I, I just to be, you know, sort of like, I don't know, brass tacks about the whole thing. I mean, I never thought about working out or trying to be fit or trying to watch myself as being wellness. I mean, sure. That's a nice, maybe 2020 term for it. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if I don't work out and if I don't take care of myself, I wouldn't, I, yeah, listen, I'm not perfect, believe me. But what I mean is that it wouldn't be the same experience. And so now that I'm also 60, I understand because of maybe COVID, Two, health obviously is at the forefront of all of our thinking, I think. And for sure, it becomes, it has become now for me, non-negotiable. I used to like take it or leave it. Um, usually, again, just to either get laid or to look better in clothes. But now I sort of see it as a, you know, <laughs> like I'm going to be here for a while. I'm, I've already been here for a while. I'm probably going to be here for a while longer. It's going to be better to take care of myself than not. And even, you know, what you mentioned earlier about um, the lesson from your former colleague at, at Barney's about restraints, you know, that even goes to other parts of life, even like with work, you know, not overdoing it and, and putting too much on your plates and, and gain stress. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a great lesson and tied to wellness and taking care of yourself and your body to match, you know, who you are in the long run. Who you are or who you want to be, you know? It's yeah. Like- I mean, listen, we are all works in progress. No one has it figured out. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings in AA is you can't judge people's insides by their outsides, even though working in this business, you think you might be able to. But just because somebody looks amazing doesn't necessarily mean that how that they're feeling the same way on the inside and vice versa. Somebody may not sort of look the way that you think they should, but they may be super happy and content. Yeah, that's, but the, that's great. But the reality is, if we take care of ourselves, we're probably going to project a kind of radiance that cosmetics, that clothes can't, you know, sort of do on its own. Right. So it's interesting where we are. Um, you know, I now do want to change gears a bit, Nick. Um, and I do want to chat about, you know, you've done several collaborations. Uh, you know, what are some source of inspirations in your previous collaborations? <laughs> I mean, basically, I did. I, I have done collaborations, and I've been really fortunate to do a lot of them. 
And it, it, people always ask, like, how did it happen? I'm like, because they asked. I mean, that's really <laughs> the bottom line. It's like there are very few things that I haven't done that, I mean, there have been a, few, a couple. Sometimes it's just timing. But, you know, generally it's like, okay, you know, sure. And for the most part, they've all worked out really well. So a lot of people have said, you know, why don't you have your own brand? And I'm like, ew, like the world doesn't need a <laughs> brand from me. Um, or the world doesn't need another brand and the world doesn't need another brand for me. And certainly what has, what I love though, is when I do work with people, they're experts at what they do. And so that to me is a much better association than me trying to go out and find, you know, if you make a collection, you've got to find somebody to make beautiful jackets, beautiful pants, beautiful sweaters, beautiful. And that's a lot of that sourcing component is a lot of is hard. This is, it's kind of like doing it the opposite way, which is more interesting to me. Well, it's complimenting and and it's a way you can glean something from one another. So it's it's a great partnership that way. Right. Uh, Yeah. For me, it's, it's interesting and it's really fun. And I do want to mention just because, you know, I am employed by Quebec, you know, you did do a great collaboration with Wantless Essential. So I have, I would you want to mention that to give Quebec a point. And that was, you know, one of the very first, uh, you know, collaborations that I did. And it was just so natural and easy when that happens. And, you know, it's happened a lot. It, it just is, you can tell in the end result. And I have such really warm feelings about that, you know, that collaboration. And it's a it's a great company, and and I I, met, I think you probably worked with Byron Dexter, and you know they're great they're great people and great models of what Montreal has to offer. Oh my God, they are the best. They are s- seriously two of the chicest and most. <laughs> you know, I mean, talk about taste. They have such incredible taste and style, and they're just as beautiful on the inside as they appear on the outside. So it's a rare combination. And I think that makes. You know, in my job, I can never say no to any Quebec company that works, that approaches me, but it makes a big difference if the person that you work with is beautiful, like you said, on the inside and outside, because then you're much more happy about the success. You know, you want them to succeed. And I think that's, that's the beautiful thing sometimes. Absolutely. As bad of a rap as I believe the fashion business can get, and believe me, there's some horrendous people that work in fashion. Um, it's, it's amazing how many fantastic people there are too. Or in the menswear industry, especially there's so many, you know, good cookies that sometimes they just go out of your way to help you. And I think that's what I've learned. I'm very appreciative to have met many of those people. Again, not to generalize, but I think that's one of the, you know, sort of stereotypes that the menswear world and my experience certainly bears this out is it's a very collegial kind of, you know, group. And of course there's, you know, and it's competitive and, and sometimes there's reasons why it doesn't necessarily work as smoothly, but in general, compared to the women's business, I can say unequivocally, it is a really nice group of people. Yeah. 100% agree with that. You are an entrepreneur, Nick, because what you've created is you know, your brands as who you are is, can you give any advice to about entrepreneurship? 
Well, you know, it's so interesting. I, my father was an entrepreneur. I mean, he was a mechanic who had his own business and he, you know, always said, never work for anyone, work for yourself. I, of course, did not listen. Um, <laughs> I, I equated being an entrepreneur with having dirty hands because my father, had, you know, worked with yeah. his hands. Um, it didn't occur to me really the, and I, I was very um, impressionable and wanted to work for what I considered to be glamorous companies. And, and I, I did, I, I was very lucky in that, in that regard. And, and obviously I took a lot of, um, I, I mean, I, I, I had my identity wrapped up in who I was working for, what I was working for, whatever brand or store or something. So, you know, the great thing about being an entrepreneur, my dad was right. And what's been so interesting is that I never thought I could, that my skills would allow me to, to do that, you know, cause it's like, how does a buyer or how does it, you know, well, designers a little bit different, but I never really fully consider myself a designer, but you know, how would someone who worked in corporate jobs virtually their entire career pivot or transition into yeah. something, you know, that I do today. And again, I, I mean, I really have to credit Rupa Patel. She's the women's fashion or she's the total store fashion director at Saks Fifth Avenue. She was really one of the people who insisted that I sort of do this. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And, and she was right because I've been so fortunate the past eight years, but it really is because of, of social media. And that's the thing that I'm so like blown away by is that, you know, our times have produced the ability for someone like me to be able to, you know, thrive and, and function and, you know, feed myself, clothe myself and shelter myself, you know, by myself. I mean, no, I do it with a lot of people, but, you know, not having to work for, you know, a corporate job. So listen, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as long as you stay true to who you are and are really passionate, the world will see that. And, and I'm happy that you listen to RuPaul then, who <laughs> is a good cook in the women's world. Cause I know we spoke about uh, menswear, but she, you know, she is very well tied to women's wear too. So that's yeah. great that but she gave you that push. She did. And she, you know, and she's now in the menswear world. So she, you know, and Rupal is an example of, I mean, I have so many angels in my life that have come to me at various times. She's one of them. And I, you know, I love her dearly. And she is, she's really a special person, but she was really the one who <laughs> insisted that this would be <laughs> a, a way for me to go. And I really didn't see it, but I sort of followed along. <laughs> <laughs> and then now here we are. So that's and great. Here we are. <laughs> um, and Nick, you know, like if there's a brand that wants to connect with you, to work with you in some manner, what's the best way for them to contact you? Is it via Instagram? Is it via LinkedIn? What is the preferred method? Oh my God. If they do it on LinkedIn, I will never, I will never see it. I mean, <laughs> I, I, Facebook and, and LinkedIn are the two worst ways to get a hold of me because I will definitely not, uh, I mean, I don't see it. it. It's like, I never go there. Um, <laughs> and then I do. And then I'm always like, oh my God, um, it, I get, it gets overwhelming. Yes. If you DM me on Instagram, I pro I am like 90% sure that I will see it. You know, sometimes they go into those other messages, but yeah. I do look at that maybe not every day. Um, and the other thing is you could take, if you could remember this, which is pretty easy, 
you know, my email is nickwooster at gmail.com. No punctuation. You can, you can reach me that way. Somebody will be able to get back to you. Perfect. All right. Well, Nick, um, I really enjoyed this conversation and I look forward to having other conversations with you. Um, and thank you again for your time. Thank you, Ryan. It was great to speak with you. Merci d'avoir écouté Ryan's Rants and Raves. Suivez-nous sur Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. Thank you for listening to Ryan's Rants and Raves. Follow us on Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. À très bientôt.